And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. The one position you cannot, I don't know how long I, I, I can, I can go, just all of you go back and look at first round quarterbacks drafted over the last 10 years. It is not an exact, I mean, everybody just thinks you take one and you're going to fix the problem. Look, taking one will get y'all off my ass for a little bit. But the second that guy didn't play well, I'm going to be the first one run out of the building. I promise you, we get the importance of the quarterback position. But taking one, and the difference between just taking one and taking the right one um, is, is the key, you know, in our minds. Um, we'll explore it. We'll examine it. Um, we'll go A to Z on it. I promise you, I, I, that position never leaves my mind and it's something that we want to get fixed, but it's also, there's got to be a little bit of timing and luck come into play when you get it. Hello. Welcome back. I'm Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. We're back for another episode of 1% Better. Season's over, but there's always something to talk about. In the NFL. So uh, we are looking back on the season. And yesterday, on Thursday, I had a chance to do that with Colts general manager Chris Ballard. And Zach, I always love these opportunities <laughs> to talk to Chris because I give him credit. He, you know, he, you as a fan, you may or may not get the answer you want, but you will get answers. <laughs> and that is for sure. And we spent, granted, on Zoom this year, a little different. But to his credit, he gave us the same amount of time. We spent about an hour and 15 minutes, right? Or so, yeah. Uh, online with Chris Ballard yesterday. I can tell you, and I'm sure Zach will uh, back me up on this, like that does not happen. <laughs> that No one does that. So no one I know in the NFL at least. He's had GMs reach out to him that are ticked off because he's making them look bad because his season-ending availability is so long and so thorough. He said, hey, you guys got to do what you got to do. I'm going to do it my way. Right. And so, listen, man, uh, yes, it serves our purposes, and so we love that. But I'm just telling you as a fan, like, that's – it's good for you too. You know, it's not – I'm not just saying, oh, he's a great guy because he gives the media what we want. No, I mean, for you, it's good because, again, literally no one does this. So, we could do – a two-hour podcast on the content. It's so much. So we won't do that, but right. we will get into some of this. So anyhow, let's get into the particulars. Uh, I thought, all right, let's start with the quarterback. Okay, right? So that, there's nowhere else to go but that. So my impressions, and I'll let you chime in here. Uh, I thought two things. Number one, I think he did a great job of explaining where they stand with Philip Rivers because – I think Frank Reich saying, yes, I want Phillip as my quarterback, which is fine, although I think can be misconstrued. So I think it's good that he was very clear and told us exactly what he told Phillip, which is let's give it a time to give it some time to simmer down. Yeah. You decide what you want to do. We'll decide what we want to do and then we'll figure it out. So they're going to wait about a month. And then the other thing is I think he, he didn't box himself in in terms of drafting a quarterback or even pursuing one on the free agent market. He, he didn't commit or even hint at what he's going to do, because I don't think they really know. So I think he was pretty honest about that. We don't know what it is. got to figure it out. But anyway, um, did anything about the quarterback conversation surprise you? No, this is what they're going to do. And Mm -hmm. I know the fans, and you kind of hinted at this yesterday, even in your question to Chris, like the Twitter mob, they want an answer. And he kind (laughs) of joked about it. He said he's not on Twitter, but his kids are. And and he said this over the years. Everybody wants the answer. They want instant coffee. Everything he's done has been the reverse of that, right? I think the fans, the smart ones out there, 
know what he's going to do and he's going to be patient. He's going to be patient. Now there might be a big move that is the end result of all of this, a trade up in the draft or a signing right. free agency, but they're going to be really patient. And that's what you wrote about today. And I think that stood out and even kind of a scene that you alluded to, like, you know, Frank during the middle of the season, late in the season saying, hold on, like I want to focus on this year. We'll talk about the quarterback decision later. And then we saw the same thing from Ballard yesterday. I think that was important that nothing's going to happen on this front for a month. It's January 15th. Nothing's going to happen until they sit down with Rivers in four weeks. And Rivers' answer could be different then than it is today. Late in the season, we got indications multiple times. And I had a long conversation with Philip where he basically said, like, I'm going to want to come back. That's where he's leaning. I would put it 85 to 90%. Yeah. Same. But you don't know what that's going to be in a month. And we'll see where Philip comes. But they said everything right about Rivers because he was tremendous this year for them. And, and and Ballard hit it on the head. He said, look, if this is a 30-year-old Philip Rivers or a 35-year-old Philip Rivers, we're not even having the conversation. But he kept it real. And I don't think fans can ask for anything else. Look, it, of course they want Rivers back. He was great. But they also are going to have to do their due diligence and look at the market. Look at the draft, look at free agency, look at possible trade targets. That's his job. Ballard said, look, you need to give me time to do my job. I'm going to do my job. So that's where they're at. They're just starting this process, and they're going to have a lot of help. They're going to have Nick Sirianni on it, the offensive coordinator. Marcus Brady, the QB coach, is going to do some scouting. They're going to dig into this. And I thought his quote was great, and we played it at the beginning, but I'll repeat it here. I mean, you don't get this from a GM very often. I've heard from a lot of Bears fans because I tweeted out the video yesterday saying, goodness gracious, it'd be nice if our GM could talk like this and be <laughs> this honest about it. Um, but Ballard said, look, everyone thinks you take one high in the draft and you fix the problem. Taking one will get you all off my ass. But the second that guy doesn't play well, I'll be the first guy running out of the building. I promise you we get the importance of the quarterback position. But the difference between just taking one and taking the right one, that's the key. And he's right, and they're not going to force it. And the other element to this, to this that's really important is they do not have an owner that is putting pressure on them. Jim Mercer is not saying, you need to go draft a quarterback this year. Remember a couple of years ago in Houston when the owners literally said that to the GM? Oh. He said, you need to go get a quarterback. They paid Brock Osweiler an absurd amount of money, and it backfired. And they still haven't learned how to treat a quarterback well in Houston. So here we are. But... That's important here because in a lot of cities, the owner would have a role in this. Jim Mercer is stepping back and he's letting his team, Frank Reich and Chris Ballard, figure this out. It might take some time, but they're not going to force themselves into a decision they don't like. Yeah, and that's how you run a football team. I mean, if you run, if you ran any other industry, a company in any other industry, I mean, <laughs> would you make decisions based upon you know, outside influences. No, I mean, you, you would do what you have to do for the, for the best, uh, in the best interest of your organization. I mean, it's no different here. It's just that millions of people care about what you're doing <laughs> as opposed to someone who's running a, you know, run of the mill company in some other line of work. So right. anyhow, I, I, but I think you do have to maintain the same mentality and the same approach. Now I, I give him a lot of credit for, uh, for the honesty, as you said, and and the Bears fans, <laughs> I get it. They want. Could have had. They wish they fans. had that. Could have had. But him. they could have. He loves the Bears. He That's where you got to start. Right. But anyhow, um, what I also think is interesting about that it's not just like, all right. I don't want to get fired because obviously no one wants that, but that's not why he's. I mean, he's he's being honest about that part, but that's not really the driving force there. It's also because. If you screw it up, you sometimes only get one bite at that apple for a very long time. Yeah. And he knows that. So it's not like you can go throw a dart at the board this year and then throw another one next year. Like, that's not how it works. You know what I'm saying? So he knows that if you commit to something and in terms of a quarterback, you kind of commit to that for a while. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you have the, the Trubisky situation to stick with the Bears. I mean, you know, that has... That has been in motion here for a few years, and and where are they? I don't know. <laughs> they don't know. You know what I'm saying? So, do you want that? I obviously you have to do a better job of of scouting and acquiring the player that you seek uh, or that you that you ultimately choose. But 
So that's a different question. But all I'm saying is, if he's not really the right guy, sometimes you don't know that initially, and then you waste two or three years. So it's a it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of situation on some level because it's a, it's this team's really good. Dance. Yeah, that's that's what I was getting at. You're right. It's a delicate dance. Yeah. Right. Because you've got a good team. But everyone knows that last piece is the hardest piece to find. But also, like, look at the teams left in the in the playoffs. How many of those were number one quarterbacks, number one picks overall? This will surprise you. No, one team, Jared Goff with the Rams. This is not even wasn't, close to Breeze the best. Breeze wasn't though. a really high pick. I think he was late first round. I mean, Lamar Jackson was 22nd. Mahomes was 10th. Josh Allen was seventh. I mean, what I'm saying is it can be done middle of the first round, upper part of the first round. It doesn't, Baker's still in there. He was the number one pick. But what I'm saying, you know, Brady was 199. What I'm saying is it can be done, and the Colts know that, but it's going to be hard. And even Ballard said, like, you know, can you get it? Can you get us? Can you get the guy at number 21 where they're picking in the spring? And he said, I doubt it. He knows. He knows the reality. I'm glad he said that too, because. I think sometimes those are the worst picks. Like when you get that sort of middling quarterback, <laughs> you know, and you don't really think he's a guy, but he might be a guy. And, yeah. You know, and so I'm not suggesting that there haven't been good quarterbacks taken there. There have, but but he's generally right. I mean, the the game has changed, and it really hasn't even changed, but it's just that there's so much more pressure now to get a quarterback uh, for these executives that if a guy has any shot whatsoever – He's a top 10 pick, you know, and so that's how you get Josh Rosen getting picked, you know, at what, 11th, I think. Yeah. You know, that's how that happens. Where is he now? Like on somebody's practice squad or something, you know, so. Another thing that Ballard always talks about, and I know that you picked up on this as well, and this is huge, and this gets lost in all of this. It's not just where they get picked in the draft. It's what team they play for. And by that, I mean. Sure. Like, look at Josh Allen, man. His completion percentage was dog shit the first couple of years. He was, was bad and he struggled. And they didn't have a lot of talent. And they've added talent and they've let him learn. And that's working out wonderfully for them. So much of this depends on the situation. And I remember Ballard saying that early on. And it's kind of parallel to what they're doing with Jacob Eason. We don't know if he's the guy. They don't know. But they're not going to veer away from the plan they had with him when they drafted him. You don't just draft a guy. And then see what happens. It's almost like the Redskins, the Washington football team, excuse me. They just drafted Dwayne Haskins and figured he'd be the guy within a year or two. And they rushed him in there, and it blew up in their face. And with the Colts, they're sticking patient with with Jacob Eason. And whoever they bring in, whenever they bring him, there needs to be a plan. And some teams really get this. Some teams don't, and it backfires. And I think no matter what they're going to do, they're going to have a plan for this guy. Whether it's start right away. Or in a more likely scenario, let him let him learn under a veteran, and then let him take over when he's ready. So, the other point here is we don't know that it, that the next quarterback is even a draft pick because they have there are other alternatives. I mean, theoretically, of course, you can't speak to guys who are under contract with other teams, so he can't go there. But uh, but over the next month or so, you will have a better idea of who, if anyone, is available, and and those conversations will have started. Uh, If you remember last year, the DeForest Buckner trade, I think those conversations started uh, before the Super Bowl. No, not before, excuse me, right after the Super Bowl, I should say, um, because the 49ers were in it. So right after the Super Bowl, those conversations began. You know, So we're about three weeks out from there. Uh, Just saying, my point is, you're getting to that time of year where teams – they're getting their new GMs hired, new coaches hired, and then they're going to look to look at the roster and, and figure out where they're going. So so a lot of these teams where the quarterbacks may or may not be in play, they are having changes. You know, So you're seeing that in Detroit and Philadelphia and, and even, I guess, the Jets, if you want to say, uh, if you want to throw Darnold in there. I don't know if you like any of those guys. That's not the point. My point is if and when there's movement – That'll happen later because right now they just got to figure out who's in charge in some of these places. So, so it's a process, you know. Um, and Chris Ballard and his guys, they can't possibly know what direction those teams are going because those decisions haven't even been made. So, so give it time, I guess is what I'm saying. And, and I think he's, he's taken the right approach. I mean, I really think 
tell me if you if you disagree on this. I asked Chris Ballard, like, how close do you think you guys are? Which is kind of maybe a dumb question. Yeah, I like that question. It's kind of it was a little bit of a dumb question in retrospect because they they don't have a quarterback. But but I what I meant was like you have a lot of talent, and so if you figure the quarterback situation out, how close are you? And what he said, among other things, was you know he thought that they. If the goal is always to win the Super Bowl, and he thought they had a Super Bowl caliber team this year. He also said uh, that he believes they can win a Super Bowl with Phillip Rivers. I guess my question is, if they have to run this back again, which is, I don't know if that's the most likely scenario right now, but it, it probably is, just because we don't know anything else. Right. Where are they? I mean, can they can they move forward? Can they progress with Phillip Rivers as their quarterback next year? Because what? Because if so then that takes a little bit of the pressure off to do something crazy, you know? Um, I don't know. I, I feel like I, I feel like there's the chance they could be a better team if they solidify some other areas. I still think there are some very specific things they can do that will make them very much more competitive or make them much more competitive. But I don't know. I, I, am I crazy? I mean, I, I, guess, I guess I figure... I guess my question is, when you get to the postseason, can that guy elevate your team? And that is where I I have a concern. I don't know. At this point, January 15th, you have to say that's the most likely scenario. It is. Rivers comes back. And that means Jacob Eason maybe goes into your number two spot, maybe not. But there's a couple of things that I want to point out. You don't know that Rivers is going to play at the same level he did this year. He's 39, going to be 40 in December. That's my concern, right? You don't know that. They need to consider that. Number two, you don't know if you're going to get the same play across your roster. And by that, I mean you got a huge hole at left tackle. Whoever steps in almost assuredly is not going to be at the level Anthony Costanzo played at for 14 games. You're probably not going to have Anthony Walker. You're probably not going to have Jacoby Brissett for those short short yardage situations. And that's a big deal. Think about how many times that dude came in and got them a first down. They're not going to have someone to do that. Unless they find a way to find someone. But, you know, are they going to have Xavier Rhodes back? He's going to want some money. I don't know if they're willing to pay a cornerback big money. Mm-hmm. Um, Marlon Mack is going to be out. They didn't have him this year, but you got to like what Jonathan Taylor is going to bring. But what I'm saying is it's not going to be the same roster. And there's no guarantee they just start at 11 wins. They're going to have to find their way back there. And Rivers is no guarantee either. That's going to be interesting. But yes, to answer your questions, like I think they can do things with Rivers. I don't think they could win a Super Bowl necessarily, but I think they can win a playoff game, possibly two playoff games, and be right where they want to be in the AFC. I really do think they can win a division with him and, and move forward. He didn't make a lot of mistakes this year. Um, yes, the the limited mobility hurt what Frank Wright could do, Colin plays. I think we all saw that. It's a reality they need to accept. But the one thing that I liked about Rivers this year um, is I think they're going to be better with him next year if he comes back because of this. He'll have an entire offseason with this team and with Reich and with his receivers and with his backs and tight ends. It was such a weird year this year. And Reich pointed this out in the middle of the season and Ballard pointed it out yesterday. He struggled early in the season because he was still getting acclimated to things in Indianapolis. I mean, it wasn't a normal preseason. He didn't have those games. He didn't have a normal training camp. He didn't have OTAs. He didn't have mini camp. Like that matters, even for a guy like Rivers who's played a billion years, right? So I think you see a lot of quarterbacks take off in year two of the system. I think Rivers could be better next year. I think he could be what they need. And in light of a better alternative, which, like you said, we might they might be out there, they might not be. Like, you know, we should probably mention that all these guys are under contract right now. Like, they're not free agents. They're not going to hit the open mark. Carson Wentz is under a huge contract, and I don't think the Eagles are going to move away from him. And I don't even know if the Colts think he'd make them better. Matthew Stafford is under contract. And you think the new GM and new coach, the first thing they're going to do is trade away the all-time leading passer in Lions history? Probably not going to happen. I don't know what the Jets do. They just hired Robert Sala. But, um, you know, at this point, you got to think the front runner is Rivers, and yes, I think Rivers can play good football and get this team a couple of playoff wins. Yeah, I, I thought it was an important point that Ballard made that Rivers, while while he was efficient early in the season, 
they weren't getting a lot out of him necessarily in terms of big plays. Yeah. And and just it, it just was it just didn't look like we thought it would look. You know what I'm saying? Just watching it. And I thought he was honest about that. And and I appreciated that because I remember watching that Bears game and I was like, hey, they won, but my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Did like, you feel like it changed the halftime of the Bengals game? Or yeah. at least when they were down 21-0 to the Bengals? Yeah, something definitely kicked in. I think that was the game before the bye. And then after the bye, for sure, there was an elevation. There's no question about it. So, so I think there's some truth to that. I, I think that there is definitely going to be a, a starting point that is much further down the road in 2021 for Phillip Rivers and this offense. So that helps. I think they can add a big ticket player of some kind, uh, be it through the draft or free agency to, to give them another game breaker. You know, you saw the difference that Jonathan Taylor made as a, as a big play maker that yeah. just from that perspective, right? Not, not like on third and two, I'm talking about like going to the house, like they don't have enough guys that can do that. So they need more of that. If they can, and I think they they can add that. We'll see what happens with Paris Campbell. Not going to really spend a whole lot of time talking about him right now. But um, I, I think they can be a better offense overall. And then Phillip Rivers is further down the road as a starting point. So I think they can be further along. The problem then, as you said, though, is what are his skills and do they diminish further? And that is, if it were me, that would be my fear. Because the last thing I'd want to have happen if I'm Chris Ballard is you get two-thirds of the way through the season, and then you see a sudden decline or even a gradual decline over the course of the season. Because, I mean, he's not going to get better. <laughs> I mean, yeah. He's 40. He's good. That's not going to get better. So and, you have to hope, but you just have to hope it's 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 gradual and not sudden like Peyton-esque, you know? And remember what Frank said late in the season. Frank said, I think he's got multiple years. And I think he said the word five. As in five good years of football left. And we Frank's were like, crazy. whoa, five? <laughs> and what did Ballard say yesterday? Ballard said, maybe one or two years. Right. Left. That's much more aligned with reality. Yes. And this is not a knock on Rivers. I thought he was I thought he was fantastic this year. And I don't think Phil Rivers thinks he has five years, okay? Yeah. No, he does. No question. Like he's coaching football uh in a couple of years, without a question. Right. But that's gonna be the reality. And and you got and we could we, you know, we should transition here into what he said about all these free agents, because Ballard did not hold back on what he yeah. thinks about these situations. And, you know, 1A is going to be T.Y. Hilton, the guy that Rivers obviously wants to come back. We had a good December, but, um, you know, Rivers was set up for success here. And this is one of the reasons he chose Indianapolis, because with everything set up, it's a really good spot for a 39-year-old quarterback. The yeah. line, the coaching, the talent, and it hurt this year when they lost Mack. And Campbell, and Campbell especially, because I think you saw Campbell's role start to be absorbed by Michael Pittman late in the year, especially those yards after the catch. That's what right. they had designed. They had a big chunk of the playbook playbook ready for Paris Campbell, and he gets hit on that first play of the second game of the season, and he's done. That guy makes Phillip Rivers better, and so does Jonathan Taylor late in the year. So with everything set up, I do think Phillip Rivers, barring a Peyton-esque collapse from <laughs> – Peyton's 2015 season in Denver, I still think he can get it done. I didn't see a lot of I didn't see a lot of deterioration this year. Yeah, you just have to go into it understanding what he is, and and they know they know what he is, and you you have to coach around that basically if you're Frank Reich, which is hard, but yeah, clearly they can do it. So when so many look, coaches are doing the opposite and coaching towards the talent they have correct. at quarterback, right? But. Josh Allen's don't grow on trees, right? I mean, that guy. Oh my god! But whatever. Um, He's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I have a new man crush. Like seriously, that guy is so amazing. I am very looking forward to the Chiefs Bills AFC title game. That's gonna be fun. Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You mentioned T.Y. Hilton. So I came away from yesterday really not feeling strongly one way or the other. I don't think he really dropped any hints on that, but I but I do think he I, I do think I, I came away feeling like Chris Ballard understands the gravity of this and understands what T.Y. Hilton means, you know, in this part of the world. So yes. it, it doesn't mean it won't be a difficult decision and it doesn't mean he won't make the harder decision, <laughs> right. but it also, it takes two. So there's that. And then also, uh, he is aware, he knows he gets it. And I think that's going to be, uh, one that's, the, as you said, that's one, one a or one B, I guess, in terms of, do you think, and we've even talked about this. Do you think Ballard's perception of T Y has changed in the last two years? I think it has. Yeah. I think mine I, has. I, I, it's funny because, I remember asking Frank Reich about this recently. Like, what did you think T.Y. Hilton was before you got here? And he's like, oh, yeah, I knew he was a good player. I knew he was fast. <laughs> and that was like it. <laughs> he said. Yeah. And then he said, you know, and then I got I got here and I got in the building. And I got to know him and I learned, you know, how he works, what kind of leader he is, uh, how much winning means to him. You know, T.Y. is kind of quiet and we don't really get a lot of emotion from him except you know maybe the occasional touchdown celebration but but i i do think i have learned that about him like he hates to lose and i know a lot of players do he's not it's not like he has the market cornered on that but but i I think it's important to mention that because i think he he had a reputation earlier in his career like he could take it or leave it and that's not true it's just, just absolutely not true um and I think he has had a positive impact on those guys around him. There's no question Zach Pascal has benefited from playing with T.Y. Hilton. Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell, I know hasn't had his opportunity because of these injuries, but you should talk to Paris Campbell about T.Y. Hilton. It's like he adores him. Okay. So I do think there's some value in that. Um, you know, the the wide receiver coaching staff has changed a lot over the years and you know ty's been one of the one consistent forces in there and it'll come down to money but but i really do think there's there's value in having him here uh they're still really 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 young in that wide receiver room they could draft another guy and they'd be even younger you know potentially so michael Pittman is like 23 paris campbell i think is 24 maybe still pretty young you know, so even Zach Pascal is young, you know, so there's there's some value in having T.Y. in there. He's a little bit of the stabilizing force. And, you know, because he's proven it, that he's not a guy who's going to complain and demand the ball at this point. So that's another thing, you know, even though he's a name guy, it's not like you're going to feel compelled, like, oh, he's got to get his touches or he's going to be mad. I mean, that hasn't happened. If he wasn't if he didn't complain this year, he's never going to complain. You know, so that's the way I see it. Uh, let me Before ask you. the playoff game, he walked up. Ballard walked up to him and said, I love you. And T.Y. hugged him. And Ballard mm-hmm. was a little surprised because T.Y. doesn't show emotion like that very yeah. often. Um, I think it's very obvious how much Ballard thinks of this guy. Frank Reich has alluded to the fact that in 18, late in the year, he wouldn't even ask the trainers. He would just say, T.Y., can you play this week? And T.Y. would say yes. And remember, he played through those high and low ankle sprains. The last six or seven weeks of the season. Um, this is what Ballard said about T.Y. yesterday. 
He can still play, whether it's at the level he was at four or five years ago. T.Y. is smart, instinctive. He knows how to get open, and he still has value. We'll see how it works out. That means it'll come down to money. We value T.Y. and still play, and we think he's been a great Colt. Let me throw this comparison at you, and it's not perfect, but look at what Larry Fitzgerald's done in Arizona. I think about this all the time. Yes. He changed the way he plays. He's not the downfield threat he once was. He's a possession guy, lines up in the slot a lot. Now, they're not the same player, and they haven't had the same career, but T.Y. still has value. Anyone out there listening would agree. We saw that in December. We saw the way he picked apart a couple defenses late in the year in a bunch of different ways, and, and I think there's a huge amount of value in it based on what you just said about how much of a factor he is in the locker room and that wide receivers room with these young guys. I think there's a lot of impetus for the Colts to get this done, not just because of what he's done in the past, but because of what he can do for the next two or three years for you. Yeah, and and the last thing I'll say on T.Y. is if he doesn't come back, I think they would benefit from having some sort of veteran wide receiver. And guess what? That's going to cost you money too. So, (laughs) you know, it it just depends on who you want to spend that money on and and how much you want to spend because – you know, if you want a guy who's who's going to be a, a legitimate impact player, well, that's going to cost you a lot more too. So, so there's and with Ty, you have no questions about accountability right. and presence and that stuff. So yeah, so I mean, if you're going to make that trade off, it better be for the right guy. You know, so so I, I have no idea if they're going to go pursue that type of player. I'm just saying, theoretically, that's one option. And if you do that, then you know, he he better be an upgrade in every way over T.Y. Hilton, not just like, oh, he's a little bit better player. It, it better be he's an upgrade in every way. So so that's something to think about. And and they will think about that. That those are things that matter to them. So I thought that this is a far lower priority, but I thought Chris Ballard I thought left a pretty clear impression on their intentions on Marlon Mack and to a lesser degree Anthony Walker. Yep. Um and you know I don't love that because I like both those guys, but I think it was probably expected. So he said on Marlon Mack that uh, he deserves a good contract, and I don't know if he'll get it here. <laughs> I don't know if yeah. we'll be able to give it to him, basically. And I think that is as clear a statement as a GM is ever going to make about a free agent. It's it's a reality yes. because Jonathan Taylor is a stud, and, and you're not taking any carries away from him moving forward. And it's also – it crushes Ballard. Like, I remember talking to him after the injury in week one on the second offensive series, and he was just heartbroken for this kid because he knew yeah. he knew how it was going to impact his free agency. And, you know, Marlon is like the nicest kid ever. He literally stayed in Indy to help Jonathan Taylor become a star this season, had surgery, stayed in the building, started to rehab, helped Naheem, helped Jonathan Taylor. Like, he's a good dude. And... Yeah. um Personally, I hope he gets a ton of money and has an awesome career because he's awesome. But I think it's pretty obvious that it will not be with the Colts next season. Yeah, he's he's probably going to have to end up with a prove it contract too. But uh, frankly, if he if, for his own sake and his own benefit, uh, he would probably do better proving it somewhere else because it's very clear who's going to get the bulk of the work here, and it should be Jonathan Taylor. There's no question about it. Look, we knew this on draft day that there would come a time when there would be a very difficult decision. Unfortunately, it's it's not that difficult at this point just because of the injury. But we knew that, that this decision might end up coming at some point. So uh, yeah. on Anthony Walker, he he said that uh, Walker is – he wants to play more is what he said. He wants more playing time. And right now he's been splitting snaps. His playing time has been steadily decreasing in large part because Bobby Okiriki is, is a more versatile player more versatile player. Uh, I think there are some teams where Anthony Walker has more value than this team. Um, But at least on the field, off the field, I think he has tremendous value here. But, you know, it is what it is. It's a business. Uh, Life will go on. I think they're pretty stable on defense in terms of their leaders. But but Anthony Walker, he has kind of a Jacoby Brissett-like impact, I think, on defense in terms of, you know, setting an example and and being a leader and accountability, all of those things. Um, I, I really think even though he's playing less, he still seems to have the same amount of impact in those other ways, which is a really hard thing to do. 
And I, I kind of admire guys who are able to do that, like Jacoby, for example. So so we'll see. Uh, but but there will be change. There will definitely be change. The roster won't look the same. Um, elsewhere, I think, what was your impression when we talked about things like the secondary? You know, I, I thought he was pretty direct, and I appreciated this. And he said, the long passes, the deep balls that they've been giving up, he said, that is not acceptable. They have yeah. to be better. But he also stopped short of like crushing those guys, and he, including Rocky Asin. He just, you know, I thought he he tried to give us perspective on the fact that, you know, going back to Twitter, he said, you know, there's this minute by minute and play by play evaluation of young yeah. players, and he says you're doing them a complete disservice, and it's not how evaluation is actually done in the NFL, it, it, which is absolutely true. Uh, but he also acknowledged some things, and I, so I, I don't know what what was. The overall takeaway by you there. A couple things. Um, let me read you what Ballard said about Rock. Rock had his good moments and his bad moments, no different than a lot of second-year corners. It's hard to play corner in this league. The rules make it hard. They call PI on any freaking bump that happens. Rock knows he has to make improvements. We'll think he'll work hard and get better. They love Rock the person, but there's no doubt he's had some bumpy moments in the first two years. That's That's the reality. And he's playing a really hard position. I get that. And he's had a lot of calls go against him. But, you know, Ballard brought up one of his favorite all-time players. Like, if you if you asked him who's your favorite player you've <laughs> ever scouted, it would be Peanut Tillman from the Bears. He loves that guy. And I'm kind of tired he, of hearing about him, honestly. I am, too. I'm like, I know his biography by now. Right. <laughs> um, and he brought up a playoff game. Bears-Panthers and Steve Smith from the Panthers went crazy and, and basically embarrassed Peanut Tillman. And that was early in his career, and he bounced back. He played 13 years and, and made two Pro Bowls. I don't know if that's the projection Rock Yassin is on right now. He needs to be better. Um, and the bottom line is the Colts can't keep waiting for him to grow into the player they think he will be. Now, look, I get it. It's it's second year, and that's a tough position. Um, and they're not going to panic, and they're going to let him try and go earn a starting spot in training camp next season. Nothing's going to happen on that front. But the one thing that jumped out related to the secondary – that he mentioned three or four times yesterday was edge rush and how they don't have enough and how he'll never have enough. And he likes Justin Houston and Houston could come back. He did mention the um, dumbass offsides penalty. I loved that. <laughs> I mean, does anyone out there disagree? That was, that was killer. And as you mentioned in your story on analytics on Wednesday, that hurt their chances of winning more than the failed fourth down. A minute earlier in the game. So I, if, you, if you haven't read that one, I encourage you to go back and read that. It's fascinating stuff on the, on the analytics side of it. But getting back to the point, um, I think the pass rush slowed down late in the season. It wasn't getting to the quarterback like it was in October and November, December, and that put more pressure on the defense. And that's why you saw the second half against Pittsburgh at times, they couldn't get Mike Glennon off the field against Jacksonville. Seven straight third down completions. And then a pretty good effort in Buffalo. But then again, they had some breakdowns. And that's what cost them. And in a game that tight, that's what cost them. So um, Rocky Sin needs to be better, no doubt. But number one need on defense moving forward is not finding someone to replace Anthony Walker. I think it's finding some pass rush. Yeah, I, I like that evaluation. Uh, I, I think on, I think at, at corner, they may or may not make an addition. We'll see. But but I also think they feel like they have some competition there, or will have some competition next year. For example, I know TJ Carey is thirty years old and was on a one year deal. I don't envision him coming back. Maybe, but I don't know. We'll see. Maybe as a depth player. Um, I think there's a couple guys just to keep in the back of your mind and we'll see what else they do. But those two guys are Marvell tell who opted out this year. And yeah, we always him. forget about um, me included. And then the other guy is Isaiah Rogers, who I talked to someone yesterday within the organization. They said he will definitely be in the mix, at least to, to have a chance to get on the field for sure. Next year in training camp ends up to him at that point. But uh, those two guys are really talented and very, very, very young. So we'll see what happens. Um, do you now, think they pay Xavier? Oh, good question. Uh, I think he's non-committal because he doesn't know how much it's going to cost. But I think he does know it's going to cost a decent amount. Now, yeah, what 
I know I'm not answering your question, but <laughs> I think the I think the answer is very possibly, but I think there's going to be a number and they're not going to go past that number. And here's why it's tricky because Xavier, who I think the world of was phenomenal this year, uh, he's 30 years old. So you, you kind of have to be careful. He's going to want multiple years, I imagine, because this is probably his last bite at the apple. So if I'm him, that's what I'd want. And he's going to want money. Yeah, yeah, he's going to want multiple years and he's going to want money. What does that look like? I have no idea. I'm sure his agent has some ideas and it's going to be very, very interesting. Um, lots of teams out there looking for, you know, for a lockdown corner. So he's going to have a market, <laughs> you know, I, mean, I can't believe at 30 going on 31, he's going to have a robust market, but he, he probably will. So it's a unique situation. I don't know. I think the Colts are more inclined to spend their dollars at the pass rush spot okay. than they are corner. In I'm this defense, I, yes. I feel like they're just less inclined to pay big money at the cornerback spot. They've done it once under Ballard, and that was Pierre Desir, and they cut him a year later because he didn't play well. And but it wasn't got, even like huge money, though. It wasn't. It was yeah. not huge money. It was like seven a year, I want to say. Yeah, I think it was th- um, three years, $21 million or something. Yeah. So, you know, gun to my head right now, maybe Robes isn't back. Mm-hmm. And that means you got to go find a starting corner because you got Kenny Moore, who's fantastic, and Rock's a question mark. And I I liked what I saw from Rodgers in the playoff game, but that was five snaps or whatever. Mm-hmm. Marvin tells a question mark. Um, that's going to be something they're going to issue. But um, I think for them, it starts with the pass rush spot, and then they'll backfill in terms of needs. But um, no doubt Xavier Rhodes is going to want to get paid, and he should because he had a heck of a year. So I have one thought on, on pass rush before I forget. Uh, all right. They have made multiple attempts to draft edge rushers. It's probably been Chris Ballard's worst position in terms of drafting. <laughs> like it's probably yeah, not even close. No. So let's let's go through it. Uh Terrell Basham. Ugh. Ben Banagoo. Taekwon Lewis Ray's. kind of. I mean, he's a three technique yeah. sometimes, but he's also an edge player. So he's he he's like half. He gets like half credit for him. Uh, who else are we forgetting? Oh, uh, well, Kamoka Ture. We don't know where he is, but that's most a of that's good physical. point. I haven't thought about that. Those are those, some it, it's obvious by misses. far, like I think by far, his biggest blunder is has big biggest blunders plural have come at defensive end, and and there's a reason for that because it's freaking hard. <laughs> okay, it's really really hard to find good edge rushers. So I bring that up for this reason, and we can kick this around for a second, but. Do they have to go another route? You know, do they have to just go like open up the Brinks truck and go get somebody? And I don't even know what the free agent landscape looks like. I haven't looked at it. They went out and signed Justin Houston a couple years ago. I think it was two years for eighteen million. I think everybody out there would say that was a good move. It was like twenty three, but they paid most of it in the first year, and it was great that year. So whatever. Yeah. So that's an interesting point. That's an interesting point because. He made, a, he made a great mention yesterday, too. He said, you know, there was a guy here in Indy for a couple of years that didn't do anything. And then he went to Buffalo and had, you know, Jerry <laughs> Hughes. I mean, Jerry Hughes was – I was in Indy when that happened. He was the next Robert Mathis, the next Dwight Freeney. He had five sacks in three years, and they let him go. And he's become a stud in Buffalo and has 80 sacks out there. Um, it, it might take time, and maybe Banigou explodes next year. Maybe Toure's on the edge. But – they need they need some young pass rush because they don't have any sure things in that category right now. So you know you mentioned Justin Houston like he sounded Chris Ballard sounded very much in favor of bringing him back maybe for a year, but and I'm that's fine. Like I I do think he still has a lot of value, and I think I might have said this on the last podcast. But you got to have some other you got to have someone else in there. All right, I, I'd say go ahead and play. You know. Justin Houston with your your run package, your run stopping package, you know, play him on first down, second down if you want. But damn it, on third down, you better have somebody who can get the quarterback. And yep. or just some passing. They didn't have enough of that this year. Yeah. And there has to be a guy who is a threat. You know what I mean? Like, you're not gonna find TJ Watt. I get that. But but just for example, like when the Colts played the Steelers a few weeks back, do you not think that before the snap <laughs> Philip Rivers was thinking about T.J. Watt. You're damn right he was, <laughs> you know. And I don't think they have that. You know, they have they have that in in DeForest Buckner, 
but that's not the same thing. I mean, that's a that's an interior pass rusher. Uh, you need someone who can athletically beat someone on the edge and and get to the quarterback. It also helps you contain the quarterback, which is something they struggle to do at times. You know, when in terms of quarterbacks to get out of the pocket. So, yeah, that's all I'm saying. I think he knows exactly what he's got to right. You're exactly right. And, and, and like you said, it's like the left tackle spot. Those are just really, really hard to find. I mean, they just really are. Mm-hmm. And when they start to replace Anthony Costanzo, I mean, it, left tackle, an elite one in this league, is going to be drafted in rounds one or round two, almost unequivocally. I mean, you can go on the, you can go on the market. Go look. See what they cost. They're unbelievably expensive. And you got to pay Quentin next year. you got to pay Darius. you got to pay Braden Smith. I mean, they're going to have to draft a left tackle. That's what I think at this point. That's going to be hard to do, and and that's on top of finding some some pass rush help. So it's going to be one of the probably the busier off seasons this team has had. I mean, last year wasn't huge. They made some really big moves, starting with the two up front with Rivers and Buckner. Um, but this year, with so many free agents and the quarterback question looming over all of it, it's going to be a fascinating couple of months for the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, last season was big for additions. This season, it, it may be big for for re-signings and for replacing spots that they need. The, the one last thing I want to say, uh, you mentioned Costanzo. I think this is an important point. So as bad as they have been at figuring out their edge rush, they've actually been really good at finding solutions on the offensive line. Now, I know they have they had you know on the left side and, and starting from the center position going left, they had three first-round picks, right? So that's not... This is not rocket science. On the other hand, though, the other side, you have Mark Lewinsky, who I thought was much better this year. He was always pretty good, but he I thought he he took some steps this year. He was really good. So Mark Lewinsky at, at right guard is not a guy who who was a top billing, top a highly billed player. They got him off waivers from Seattle a couple of years ago, did a great job of scouting. And then you have Braden Smith, who is a relatively early pick as a high second rounder, but Really is a guy they have developed into a right tackle. He's they didn't a badass. To play He's like tackle, unbelievably good out there. He really is. We never talk about him because we don't have to. So yeah. So what I'm saying is, I, I give them. I think there's some hope, maybe, that they can do something creative at left tackle. I don't know who it is. You know, they like this Will Holden guy. I I was actually pretty impressed the one game he played. But is he your, your franchise left tackle? Hell, I don't know. But all I'm saying is. They, I give them some benefit of the doubt there. Like they've done a good job. Those two guys, I don't think we give the Colts enough credit for figuring out those two spots because for all the investment they had on the rest of the line, they still didn't have it all figured out. Um, this this line wouldn't be what it is if they didn't do a great job with Scott and Glowinski and do a great job of developing Braden Smith into a right tackle, which is a position he was never supposed to play. So uh, we'll see. Um. But yeah, that's that kind of lays it out. It's going to be crazy. Uh, there's so much to do, and so much. Eventually, there will be so much to talk about. Um, but I, but I go back to whatever what Chris Ballard has always said. It's, it always starts up front. So the trenches, I think, are, are the priority. Obviously, the quarterback uh, goes hand in hand with that. But those, I think, are your priorities. I agree with you. I think you start inside out. We'll worry about corner and all that later. Start up front. That's where they've got to be better, and they've got to have answers. I think. So, we won't go as long as Chris Ballard, like I told you. <laughs> but, almost. Almost, yeah. But I reached uh, out to him after the press conference and said, thank you for the candor. And he said, hey, if you ask a question, I can't help but answer it. If you're a fan, I don't know what else you want. I mean, you don't. maybe you don't like all the answers, but mm-hmm. you're getting a pretty, um, pretty real uh, look into what your GM thinks and, and why and where this team's at. I think um, – it's not always been that way in Indianapolis, so I think Colts fans are appreciative of that. You know, we've been doing po- these podcasts for years, you know, both here and previous stops. And, <laughs> and and the one thing we always tell you guys about Chris Ballard is just listen to him. Like, there's yeah. never really a surprise. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And if you're surprised, that's on you because you're not paying attention. I mean, the man wears his emotions on his sleeve, first of all. Second of all he really can't not tell the truth, you know, just yeah. because he's just so, he, he's just so inclined to like jump in and, and cut a vein open and tell you everything. <laughs> That's There's no is. pretense. There's right. no, 
There's nothing in that sort. And, you don't and, get political and, answers. None of that. No. And it makes our job easier because we can tell you what he's actually thinking. And at least, you know, a lot, a lot of people disagree with the analytics approach and, and Frank Reich's calls and Ballard addressed that yesterday as well. At least you know where they're coming from and what they think. Agree? Disagree? That's the fun part of it. But yeah. at least they're not keeping everybody in the dark. Yeah. So, look, I mean, if you're a fan of another team, you know, you're, you're not two things. Number one, you still can't impact their decisions no matter what. <laughs> so at least yeah. you, at least here you know what they think and why they do what they do. So I think there's a lot of value in that. If I'm a fan, I feel like there's a lot of value in that. And at least I can lay my head down at night saying, all right, you know, either I'm in or I'm out, but I, I get it, you know, and I just think that's important. So definitely from my perspective, it is. So that's what you have. Just, I would say just, you know, be thankful for that. So anyhow, we'll keep a, keep a monitor on things. We won't be doing these biweekly podcasts, obviously, because I'm tired. But uh, <laughs> I've had a day off and I don't know how long. <laughs> I know. I don't know what day it is half the time, but uh, it, it's OK. I mean, it's a labor of love. Right. But uh, but stay tuned. We'll we'll do it from, you know, periodically as needed. And when there's stuff to talk about. So we're not going anywhere and we'll still have plenty of stories coming. Uh, I know we have lots of content. We really haven't even started evaluating this team, honestly, in our coverage. So we'll we'll get into all that here in the coming weeks. So stay tuned for that. And in the meantime. Uh, read all the other great coverage on The Athletic if you haven't subscribed. Go to theathletic.com slash 1% better, O-N-E, and check out our specials there. So for now, I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer, and this is 1%. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.